the Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Matt. <laughs> Man, two weeks in a row. <laughs> How we doing? I'm glad we're talking to you today. I didn't put him today. up to it this time. Oh, he just did that on his own. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> Appreciate that. Good community time. How, You're welcome. How, um, I'm glad we're talking to you today and not, you know, yesterday or Monday. It was, it's been kind of a... Kind of a stressful week, I would think. How have you handled the stress? Yeah, I do, probably like you'd expect. You know, some days a little better than others, but <laughs> it, it's it really is just a baseball season. And you know, it, it's I, I keep trying to remind myself of that. You're going to go through highs and lows, and you know, we've been in the low. It, it, there's there's no question about it. And we needed last night's win to pick us up. But, you know, you're going to go through 10-game stretches like we went through. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that, that last night was a signal that it's over. How difficult are those final road trips of a season? I shared with Salk about the final practice of training camp where the cars were revved up, they were packed, they were ready to go. How challenging can a final road trip be regardless of who you're playing, Jerry? You know, I, I, I don't. In our situation, understanding that the postseason looms, I don't think it was final road trip blues, so to speak. And I do think that that's a thing. Historically, if you know, if you are out, if you are eliminated, you go on that last road trip, and a lot of guys are just punching the clock, so to speak. But I don't think our guys were doing that. You know, we we got out on the road. We were coming off a, a very tough stretch of games that we played quite well in. And we were on an emotional high. And I, and I think what you saw was the release. You know, you saw a, a, an exhale. And the guys, we got through that series with the Braves. We got through the series with the Padres. We got through that tough run of schedule. And everybody was talking about how easy it was going to be. And all of a sudden we realized, hey, it isn't that easy. And I think that's uh, we, we have to get back on track. And, and, again, I hope that yesterday was a signal that that's the case. Yeah, it's an interesting question about about just sort of mentality, right? And Brock and I spent a while last week trying to figure it out, right? Is this a team that was that was and by the way, we got a lot of positive things to talk about. I'm excited to talk about certainly the Luis Castillo deal and kind of where the team's going from here. But just to kind of finish this part of the conversation, you know, mentality-wise, you sort of wonder whether it's a never been here before and trying to finish out, you know, and get over the hump and end this drought? Or is it, you know, as you were just sort of talking about this exhale, okay, now it's going to be easy and maybe you don't concentrate the way you you need to. I would think that's got to be a huge, both of those things would be big challenges. It would. And I really do think that this group of players, and you've heard me say it before, they're so resilient. I, I love this team. I love what they do. And I think they're more in this moment than they are captured, you know, in, in decades past. And and to their credit, they've been great at turning the page as time goes along. And you know, we just got in a bad rut. And, you know, good teams have it. If you look at the, the current, I guess, the, the, the wild card race, the other good teams in this wild card race are doing exactly what we've done <laughs> over the last 10 games. And, you know, it's a... Uh, it's representative of the fact that over 162 games, you're going to go through stretches where you're four and six or you're six and four. And we went through our four and six. You know, one of the things about a radio show, Jerry, and by no means am I comparing a radio show to a professional athlete, but as far as relationships with your coworkers, with your co-host, there've been a number of times over the years that Mike and I will talk off the air. Hey, how are we going to handle this? What do you think of this? What do you see and hear before we approach maybe a big conversation with, you know, with you or coach Carroll or Scott or anybody over the years? 
Uh, Scott, you know, was on the record kind of talking about, hey, I, for the first time in a while, I had a little team meeting. Does he ping you ahead of time? Does he say, hey, Jerry, how does this sound? Because of the trust and the decades together that you and him have had, does he? Do you guys kind of go bounce, b- bounce ideas and messaging back and forth together in those situations? Yeah, I think that's fair to say, and it's a, uh, it's something. Sometimes I would say he does, and sometimes he's going to go more with what he feels that day, and and sometimes he needs a sounding board, and sometimes he needs to release, and and I think that's part of the relationship uh, that we have, and and. And I would say that Justin Hollander is also a great resource for him. Is just bouncing ideas off of us, and almost in in practice, you know, for what, how he wants to address the group downstairs. And and I, I think this is because of where we are in our schedule, because of where the end of the the season lies, and it's you know just a week away. And as a in, in large part, this is an I guess an area where we've not been and we want to make sure we're doing it the right way and we're attentive to one another's needs. And the easiest way to do that is to communicate. Jerry, uh, when did you decide you wanted to sign an extension for Luis Castillo? Uh, shortly before we traded for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I would say, uh, you know, to, to be fair, you know, when we were making that deal, this is something that we always had in mind was, you know, the notion of, of keeping Luis here in Seattle for as long as we could. And it's uh, once we got a chance to know him and watch him integrate in our clubhouse and watch what comes out of his hand every fifth or sixth day, uh, it was a no-brainer. And, you know, credit to Luis for, you know, transitioning easily from Cincinnati to Seattle credit to Justin and to Rafa Nieves for getting what I think is a very fair deal done and good for the Mariners that, that, you know, this has been a great year for us and building foundation for not just 2022, but the years ahead. And, and Luis is going to be a big part of that. And I'm pretty excited about it. Jerry, when, and the flip side of this, when and why do you think Luis Castillo decided he wanted to sign with the Mariners long-term? You know, this is, it ran in, in connection with the deal we were doing with Julio. And, you know, we, we sat down, Justin and I sat down with Rafa, who represents Luis, two days prior to, to finishing up and, and announcing Julio's deal. And we had, we had started the conversation about this. Is this a conversation for September? Is it a conversation for uh, the off season? Is it something you'd rather talk about in the spring or is it, you know, a non-factor for you? You're just going to play it out. And he said, you know, I'll talk to Luis, see where it's going. And 48 hours later, we announced the, the Julio deal and Rafa called and he said, he said, Luis is fired up. And, during that time, we were playing exciting series. We were in the middle of the, the Ichiro weekend with the Indians, as I recall, and full houses. And there's really never been a more exciting time than late summer to, to be a Mariner. And, and that wave of emotion and then finishing off the Julio deal, he said, this is the place I want to be. This team wants to win. And we got a deal done shortly thereafter. Jerry, was there any thought about, hey, let's get the deals done, we can sign them, but maybe announce them after the season, not in season? No, I think there's a, you know, there's a a degree of momentum that comes with getting these deals done. It's it's belief from your players, it's belief from your fan base. It is it is stressing that it's not just about the, the today's game and today's or this season. It's about what we're doing in the in the big picture, and and that's a message that we've tried to really 
stress over the course of time is the sustainability of this is very important to us. And doing deals like we did with Luis, with JP, with Julio, bringing Robbie over, it's a, that is indicative of what we want to maintain here over time. What have you seen from Kelnick since he's been back up? Because we haven't seen his teeth. I don't know if he smile. You know, have you seen him smile? I'm curious if he still has his teeth. Yeah, I saw a smile. I did see a smile in Oakland, okay. <laughs> but uh, and when he when he first arrived, but it was it was a brief glimmer. <laughs> I, I would say that the, this version of J.K. and and this is a, a praise for what he's done is the best version that we've seen. And and this is a week running. We've not seen it uh, over the course of time. But his final month in Tacoma, we started seeing some real signal that he was doing a lot of the things that we had hoped he would do, which is it's all about pitch selection. It's all about approach. It's not just about hammering the fastball. It's which fastballs you swing at. And and I think we've seen real maturation with, with Jared. And you know, it's part of the reason why we brought him back. Uh, the The fact that he brings energy every day we thought could really – inject something at a needed time into this team with the injuries to, to Gino and to Julio and Cal at the time. But more importantly, over the, the course of that four-week stretch, Jared was doing a lot of things in AAA that, that we think represented or he is showing us that he's ready for this next opportunity. And and I think he's looked great since he's been back. His, his at-bats, you know, have been terrific. Last night he got a tough draw with uh, Martin Perez in in multiple at bats, and I thought the last at bat of the night was one of our best of the evening. And uh, in general, I, I think he's looked like we would have hoped he'd look a year ago. And like I said, some it's nonlinear. Sometimes it takes a little time. Can you envision a scenario where Julio comes back and Kelnick remains in the lineup? Sure, I can. Uh, you know, and that's a lot of it is going to be based on lineup construction. But you know, I think you'll see Mitch out there, and it's good to see him over the last couple of games. You know, finding his way on base and, and getting it going a little bit. Uh, we do envision Julio back next week, which is an exciting thing for for a team that really has been driven by his energy for a lot of the year. And Jared is showing that he deserves that opportunity. You know, how that balances out with Jesse Winker, with Sam Haggerty, with Dylan Moore is going to be up to Scott's creativity and lineup building. But I do think there's a chance that that's a possibility. Hey, Jerry, how much different is it today than 10 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe when you were pitching and, and everything else? Salk brought this up yesterday when it comes to Jared Kelnick. Because it's not just as simple as you coaching Jared Kelnick, right? And say, hey, this is what we want you to do. Jared Kelnick, like many of these guys, I'm sure has swing coaches and people he works with, has an agent. He was a top 10 pick. How much different is it dealing with the team, the army of players um, cast around them today than it was, say, 10, 20 years ago? You know, some players don't have anyone at all. And other players have, you know, a fairly sizable posse that, that work with them. And, and what we adopted, and this, this we did, you know, back in 2016, and when we first arrived, we sat down and, and as part of our, you know, first connection through player development and with our major league players was letting them know that we wanted to be engaged with their people. You know, it could be their PT, it could be their hitting coach, because everybody's got one. And, to the extent that our players were comfortable with with us becoming a conduit there 
to make sure that we're speaking the same language, that we have the same goals and, and that we understand what our players are trying to achieve. Because if there's a, if there's a, a different agenda working in the background, sometimes it can be very difficult for us to make progress. So we try to make that a part of what we do with every player. Some guys are, are more engaged than others. And, and I would say, by and large, we've done a very good job of, of what I would call modern communication with players and their, and their, their group. Jerry, we've talked a lot about um, this team being a home run hitting team. Scott mentions it often, right? You know, that's sort of been the way this team has scored most of their runs this year. As the weather cools off here, you know, we often talk about how baseball is two games, right? What you get during the summer and then what you get in late September and into October when the weather changes. Do you have any concern just about the ability of the team to keep hitting home runs without the weather being hot? No, I, I really don't. And part of that is because I think if you look at the history of the postseason, uh, that, that's how you score in the postseason. You know, it's a, and at the end of the day, it, I think the long season is always about consistency and balance. You have to find a way to put runs on the board. You have to find a way to keep runs from scoring. It's a catch the ball. All of the, the things that we talk about routinely, once you get to the postseason, it's about power. And, and we have power on the mound. We do have power in our lineup. And you're going to get the occasional walk. You know, I think the walks will slow uh, once you get into the postseason. They're just not as, as free because you're, you're playing against the best teams in the league and they're less likely to walk you. But the home run becomes prominent because when you're facing the Garrett Coles and the Justin Verlanders and the Logan Gilberts and the Luis Castillos of the world, you don't string a lot of three and four hit innings together. And historically, postseason baseball is about that that two or three run homer and the pitcher on the mound who can make it hold up. Well, the guy that uh, we saw elicit uh, mighty, mighty power in a home run derby, as you mentioned earlier, Julio, expecting back baseball activities here in the next few days and, and hopefully back on Monday. Can you give us any detail on what is going on with that back of his? Yeah, you know, it's a, we, we calmed it down. I think he's in a good place. He, he reports feeling better every day. He's going to start some baseball activity today, and you know that'll be the first time since uh, we we shut him down or, or he came out of the game in Oakland. And it, when we put him on the IL, it was very much a conservative move, and I think Julio was on board with it. We just wanted to take the ten days and make sure that we got this right. And uh, I think he's comfortable with where he is right now. We'll see, you know, where this trends over the course of the weekend, but we feel like it's, it is running on course. He's eligible to come off the IL on Monday. And right now we're loosely hoping that that's the case. I remember at the combine in 1999, 98, they wanted to, I had to do all these battery tests and they wanted to do an MRI on my back. And I was like, um, nope. Nope, you've got 52 other x-rays. I've got more radiation in me. I'm not going to do I remember calling my agent, Jerry, walking in the hallway like, you know, Marvin, what do you think I should do here? I don't really want, I don't want to know what's going on. I know I've had back tightness in the past and everything else. Was there a level of concern, uh, curiosity when you MRI any athlete's back? Yeah, not not. To the extent, I mean, I like you, I've had back, back problems for decades. You know, it's actually what ended my career. And, and I shared that with Julio. I, I told him, hey, this will pass. It's, uh, it's, it's the first time he's ever really dealt with that. And, and really, it's the first time he's dealt with much outside of his wrist in his, in his young career. So, you know, it's, it was new to him. I, I think it was shocking that he felt the way he did. Uh, our general take on it was that primarily it was something that was happening in his upper glute, and it was just throwing some residual 
pain or, or irritation into his low back. And, and again, I think through treatment and, and rehab process, we've gotten it where it needs to be. We don't have long-term concerns and we're not going to put him back out on the field until our short-term concerns are eradicated. Speaking of health and being in the field, uh, Eugenio Suarez yesterday, I don't know if he was joking or not, saying that he could play the field as soon as today. When could he realistically play third base? Today. <laughs> uh, I think he's going to play third base tonight. And I think that is uh, it's wow. exciting for us because it just gives us a chance to have so many different, uh, I, as we talked about the, the idea of JK playing more routinely once Julio's back, you know, that, that's obviously predicated on on. Gino's availability as a third baseman. And uh, it was great to have him back in the lineup the last two days. I thought he looked awesome last night. He is such a big part of our team, and, and not just the, the productivity on the field, but the emotion that our, that our team uh, drives or drives our team. And having him back was was terrific. Having him back at third base is going to be awesome for our team in, in regard to you know, what it means for the next you know eight or nine days and then headed into the postseason. He's he's a very important player for us. He's also proving to be a pretty tough one. You know, it's a uh, that what he dealt with is it's small but really painful. And uh, to watch how quickly he came back and was able to swing the bat pain-free and has insisted for a couple of days now that he's that he's good throwing and our people see that our doctors are on board with it so i think he's going to play defense tonight Mm. and what was great was to see him deliver with runners in scoring position early in that game yesterday i think just kind of everybody took a sigh and said okay we can deliver with people out on on the base i had a baseball buddy of mine ask me this question and wanted me to ask you this question jerry so i will um is hitting with runners in scoring position more about talent or mindset? I think it's about mindset. And it's, uh, you know, one of the best the, the, of, of my generation and one of the best we've ever seen is Edgar in that, in that category. And, and, you know, through the, through the years, listening to Edgar talk about, you know, how you hit with runners in scoring position is you, you stay in the middle of the field. And, you know, I think you saw it last night with Gino. And sometimes that's going to be represented by the pitcher or, or decided by the pitcher with the locations that they give you to hit. But, you know, if, if a player goes up with the mindset, especially with less than two outs, that I'm going to stay in the middle of the field, you got a lot of space to work with. And, you know, that's what Edgar did for years is just stay between the gaps. That's what Gino did last night. And, and frankly, if, if you hit that ball on the ground and it turns into a double play, it looks like any of the last two weeks of Mariners baseball where you're frustrated by not getting that run across the plate. But if you stay in the middle of the field and you drive the ball, put the good swing on it and hit it hard, the result is you know what we saw last night. And I, I think that's a, a, a rule of thumb with the runners in scoring position is, you know, unless, unless you get that early pass and you can hit it out of the ballpark early in the count, stick to the middle of the field. And, and that's what's made Gino such a big producer for us this year is that he, by and large, he's done that. Hey, Jerry, do you remember where you were when Mark McGuire broke Hack Wilson's NL home run record? Oh, gosh. Here we go. I, I do. I do. I, I was actually I was standing in uh, in the bullpen in Colorado. <laughs> I was playing for the Rockies, looking up at the big board, because like every other ballpark in the league at that time, they showed it. Well, which one? When he broke the the NL record or when he actually got to 62? <laughs> No, no, no. When he actually got to 62. Oh, okay, because I saw a lot of celebration about the AL record last (laughs) night, and I I thought that was a thing we'd always done where we celebrate each league's home run record. 
I did. I did not know. I, I don't. I have not stamped where I was when, when Mark McGuire passed Hack Wilson, okay. as evidenced by my my reply. I was just checking because I, I look sixty one is a really cool accomplishment, but baseball's got to figure out how to handle that era, don't you think? I mean, it just it feels like everyone's sort of talking around the real conversation and the real issue there. Yeah, I did, and maybe that's true. And I think part of that has been played out over a few decades of, of kind of talk radio and MLB network and uh, having lived through it and baseball at that time, you know, we considered as, as the players on the field, uh, they're, they're, we considered that real baseball. I, I, I have a hard time believing that it's just not acknowledged as having happened, but you know, it happened. And, and I say that, and I don't want to take away from, what's happening with Aaron judge right now. It's, you know, it's a magnificent thing and, and to celebrate it is, is appropriate. Uh, I think to, to ignore the fact that something else happened with, with players who at the time were doing things that, that were better than the other guys on the field. And, you know, how, how legitimate that was is up to somebody else to decide. Obviously it's, it's kept all of them out of the hall of fame for, for whatever reasons, uh, and and maybe justifiably so, but th- but it did happen. You know, I was there. I, I gave up a few of them along the way, and and it's a uh, it's I, I, it's tough not to acknowledge it. You know, I know Scott was behind the plate for sixty two. I, I sorry, I didn't mean to cut off your story. Where were you? Were in the bullpen for sixty two? Yeah, in in Colorado, and I, I remember vividly the the guys, the everybody walking out and leaning on the fence, looking up at the big board because they stopped games around the league and just put it on the big board and showed the 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 home run. It's pretty hey, cool. Hey, uh, I got I got to sneak one last one in because I like your little history. Every time we've done this over the last three four weeks, if I were to put Anthony Munoz twenty twenty two Anthony Munoz in that uh, in that bullpen in Colorado where, when you were standing in years ago and you watched a guy throw 102 and then a pinpoint 92 mile an hour slider what would you have done there's I would have run around the end like James Brooks after taking the handoff from Ken Anderson I think <laughs> <laughs> but if it were Andres Munoz who threw that pitch I would say phenomenal you just don't see guys doing that and you know, I said I fist bumped him last night after the game, and you know the the slider that was coming out of his hand last night oh. of, of what is I think the best slider in the league, but the slider coming out last night was the best we've seen from him. And you know, he smiled and, and said, "I hope it stays like that the rest of the year." But he's he's such a, a humble guy. He's had an awesome year, and yeah. uh, and last night was about the best we've seen him. Jerry, thank you. Much appreciated. Uh, we will talk next week, right? Uh, based on what the season will be over by then, right? Or right just about to end when we talk next week. Yep. So uh, we'll see. Magic numbers at three. We'll see where we're at when we talk next week. Thank you, Jerry. We appreciate it. All right, guys.